lights. Camera. Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in miracles, Rick? I do believe in miracles, dude. I, I tried to hug an eagle the other day, and it didn't work out for me. But I still believe that that could happen, so I hold out hope. Um, yeah. But I was at that at that place, the Audubon Society, and they said if you ever try to hold uh, hug an eagle again, it's going to result in your demise. I don't believe that, I, though. I, I hugged an eagle, and now I'm a eunuch. So, you know. Welcome to Cinematic Chicken, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Cinematic I like, I like the fact that we're starting off hot here. <laughs> I'm your host, Jonathan Gondwal, with my favorite co-host, Rick Acevedo. What? Both of us, I know, are trying to learn the Peacemaker um, dance from the intro. Um, we have not talked about this, but I'm just assuming that you have tried it and tried to learn it. Because yeah, yeah. I know I have. I have. Episode. I have many yeah. times. Um, yeah. Actually, uh, I was thinking about going to Radio Shack until I realized there's no more Radio Shack, um, and and buying like you remember those uh, those uh, light those traffic lights. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I was thinking about getting like a couple of those and getting uh, and getting uh, some um, you know just 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 getting it right, getting a disco ball, getting it right. You know, um, so I'm still. Still working on that. Um, I think ambiance is important when you're uh, working on such an important dance. I think yes. this is. I think this is a lot like La Macarena or the electric slide. You know. Oh, I, I agree. The hardest part is getting an eagle to land at the end. I still haven't figured that part out. It usually does not work for mm. me. But no. that's the hardest part. No. Yeah, the eagles. You know. For whatever reason, the ones that I find here um, are very vicious. I don't, I don't believe that they're all that way, and I think that if I show up with a bag of Cheetos, flaming hot, um, <laughs> that might help. But again, you know, yeah. takes and, a while. And I'm, I'm, I am going to spoil something for everybody here. If you did not know this, Eagly was computer generated in Peacemaker. Uh, it's it's no, very it sad. No, it wasn't. You're a liar. That is not true. Uh, it is very true. No, no, uh, it that isn't. is why. No, no it's a real I eagle. It is a real eagle. It is a real eagle. I, I want to. You do not. Hey, Rick. I know. I know you want it to be real, and you. Know it is real. Scars. To it is real. It. I don't care. I don't want to hear. To, I don't want to hear your emotional, emotional <laughs> situations, Jonathan. It's a real eagle. They trained it. It's smart. It lives in the sanctuary of trained smart eagles in Hollywood, and just don't hate. All right. Uh, if you if you notice, there wasn't a, no animals were harmed at the end of this one that they usually do. Because you can't harm an eagle. It's frick. It's a freaking eagle, man. It's a, look at the eagle. Like that eagle has been working out for years, man. Talking all that. Well, if you don't get it, we are talking about Peacemaker, uh, and I think this is one of our quickest wrap up sessions that we've done for a series. It did not take us as long as he, man. Uh, <laughs> No, I guess we were pretty much on Loki and everything else. We were pretty fast on those, I want to say, yeah. I, okay, so what I'm about to say might sound slightly controversial. It's not meant to be, so please, by all means, um, you know, get a hold of your feelings uh, out there in podcast land. 
Um, this was really good. Um, well, put, Loki. Okay, wait a second. Because now, wait. I I don't want to. I don't want to dig a hole here. Loki was not bad until they messed the end of the last episode. The last episode kind of killed it. Mm -hmm. Um, He Man. It isn't that it was bad. It was just that like that whole second half put me. And, like, it, 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 it didn't get... I, I didn't know if it was 1983 all over again. <laughs> and it made me feel like the vulnerability of a you know, five-year-old that doesn't get how the world works all the time. Right. So, <laughs> it's not that they did a bad job. It's also not that they did a good one. But this one stayed... For me, it stayed very consistent. And, it, and it's... For me, what I what what where we started, it is essentially where we ended. I you know like because this this never went. And and there were a lot of people, and I read like a ton of reviews. They were like, "Oh, this is offensive," and this and that. You know, people get offended if you breathe the wrong way sometimes. But here, it was like this didn't go. In all of a sudden, a completely different area. It did a good job of setting up the specific conflicts, telling you where they were going to go. And also, it did something that for people that don't understand about writing, it was very important. That's the thing that this is an ensemble cast. This wasn't mm -hmm. just about Peacemaker. So for Peacemaker to actually work, you needed to have an ensemble that was complementary of each other in one way or another. And I think they did that really well. They were able to set up conflicts. They were able to set up payouts and give you the backstory without boring you to death with it. Because mm -hmm. that's the thing. It's like, you, I kind of got the idea of, of and, and by the end, I knew all of Peacemaker's backstory without getting more than a minute or two at a time of backstory. Which, you know, in certain works, <clears throat> Justice League, I forgive you, um, you know, it, it, it it's like, all right, we're going to give you 18 hours of exposition followed by three hours of shit that doesn't make any sense. And yep. it's like, I I don't need that when I'm just trying to be entertained. Like yep. I, and I, I think this one has done better than a lot of these superhero shows, and I'm including uh, the DC and Marvel ones as well, except for Doom Patrol, because that one is excellent. Um, no, 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 Doom Patrol can Doom Patrol is amazing. Yeah. Um, but they stuck the landing, which has usually been hard for a lot of these mm. series, is that eighth episode, not eighth, the last episode, to really bring it all home, really set up future stuff, but actually handle everything that they set up in the actual story, you know, finish storylines, satisfying conclusions. I, I know this, but this see, so you, you just said something that's key right there. You said eighth episode. I'm glad that you brought that up because here's the thing. If you see shows like um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, Agent Carter, you look at the DC stuff that they have done in television, it isn't, that it isn't good, but you, when you're constantly, when you're writing for anywhere between 18 and 25 episodes per season in an order, even 13, you have to keep that consistency and sometimes that's hard because you don't want to 100% draw from source material if that source material only makes sense in the comic book which is very possible but you don't want to go so far away from source material that it's like oh here's 
here's where we're at. Mm. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I don't recall this, and it doesn't make sense. Even if I did, it just doesn't make sense. So it's like they've said, okay, we're going to tell a story, and it's going to be a singular story, and it's, there's going to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. All yep. right, and we're going to focus on this story, and the side is going to be a nice order of... And, 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 but even with that, I think DC is getting better about this because their shows, even on networks, are getting shorter. Um, I don't, you know, like Black Lightning only had 52 episodes, and that's part of the reason why it was so good. Because they had mm-hmm. 52 episodes in four years, as yep. opposed to 100. Yeah, I, I, I do think the flash would benefit from shorter episode seasons um. <laughs> it's never gonna happen dude they're gonna it, the flash when when the flash finally does end it'll be like a 200 episode run and again it's just like it's hit it's hit and miss because mm. sometimes you're telling a singular arc story sometimes you're like oh it's a five-parter about the worlds and the multiplicity of a, the worlds and the universes and like peacemaker doesn't do that no peacemaker did something that i really personally enjoyed in this every character there's no wasted motion every character had Mm -hmm. a specific role no matter how big or how small um one great example um judo master judo master has maybe 10 lines the whole show He's but probably in four to five scenes at the best. One yeah. goddamn line stood out. The butterflies are, you don't get it. The butterflies are, and then just as succinctly, that is actually paid out. And I guess we're going out of order into the spoilers, whatever, but it pays out towards the end. Yep. And it's like, Oh, there's what Judo Master was trying to say. So it's one of those things where it's like everything is is paid out properly. And obviously, you know, like I think that it did also a really good job of the characters that you didn't want to get invested in, um, such as Dragon Master, because Dragon Master is just a freaking hateful character. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the guy that I hated. To me, he was one of the key antagonists. From a psychological yep. perspective. Oh, 100%. So seeing him get his... Oh, man, was that ever satisfactory to me. Yes. No, yeah. 100%. Because... And, and I, I love the character growth of Peacemaker. He's mm-hmm. still a douchebag in the end, but he learned and grew a bit, which was nice. Uh, <laughs> I like, so he actually, you know, earned his redemption arc and everything that came up. Having to, even though he's not fully cured at the end of the season, you know, he's not a fully good guy and all this other stuff. He's still peacemaker, but he's finally learning to be a little lot, uh, not like his father. Finally, getting rid of that, like that that kind of hatred tendency, the little racist overtone, that peace by any means, and finally trying to yeah. overcome. What does that mean? And at the point at the end, he still doesn't know what that means. Like, right? He has no clue what it means to be a person who doesn't do everything that he thought he was for peace, right? He doesn't know how to let go of that stuff from his past with his kid yet. He's learning, but he's taking those first steps in that journey. And I thought that was an excellent way to end Peacemaker from his beginning to the end to get him into the space of like, here's a Peacemaker who can make different choices to not be such a douche. 
rather than he's not a douche anymore. He's a good guy. We've all fixed all his problems. But, but to me, <laughs> to me, the one thing that the show did really well, and I and I really really loved this, is that everything that was set up at the beginning was actually a way to set up stuff that was going to come in at the end and was going to be significant. And and in that way, I think the show kept you guessing because if you if you remember. You and I went over stuff that we thought was going to happen, and you said, "I think Adebayo's evil." I, no, you didn't say evil, but you said, "Like I don't, I think Adebayo's going to be the problem." The double agent, du- like yeah. a double agent, right. and to a point, you were right. And then I was like, "And I think the butterflies are actually good." And to a point, I was right, but to a point, we're also both actually wrong. Wrong, completely and, wrong about my predictions. And no, but see, here's the thing: is you weren't like in the sense that Adebayo's trying to. You know, Adebayo is, to serve her own purposes, doing this to try to just be able to help her her wife and, and be able to just have a life. Mm-hmm. She's not necessarily working for the interest of Amanda Waller. And that becomes more and more clear. You know? Um, you then see um, the whole, like... The, the butterflies, as explained from two different perspectives, Mern, who's trying to stop him because he's a firm believer, or the butterfly that's in Mern is trying to stop him because he's a firm believer that, you know, we should be able to make our own decisions. And Goth, mm-hmm. whose whole idea is, look, we want peace. But we're trying to save you from yourselves because we made the same mistakes. So therefore, we're taking over and we're making that decision for you. And that is really, by any means necessary. Exactly. Yeah. So it puts Peacemaker in this terrible bind. And it's like even when they go see the cow. I don't know if you if you got the same feeling, man. But when I saw the cow and they were milking it and doing all this stuff through there about the teleporter and all that. I saw this creature, and I don't know if it was just the way that the eyes were generated or whatever, but it made it look like such a gentle, kind, gigantic creature that I was like, oh my god, they can't kill her. This is not right. Like The whole time, it's like, okay, now I'm conflicted because I need to know more about the butterfly's mission and what they're trying to do. And, you know, I need to better understand how peacemaker and that whole team sees it and the thing and and the way they basically sacrifice like you know every every show every tv series that that has dramatic undertones to it or is full drama or whatever which peacemaker i wouldn't say is full drama but has these heavy undertones to it it's like they decide they have to sacrifice the dog and the sacrifice, the, the sacrifice of the dog is the one that you least expect, but that's so that they could build up um, Harcourt to figure out exactly what the team is gonna do and bring out a bio back into the fold and help her in turn become what she becomes at the end, which is the complete opposite of what either of us really was expecting. Yep, I was I, like. I, can we can we talk about that for a second? That she actually turned and let everything about the Suicide Squad everything out. I love that sequence. That even Waller's like, "What the fuck?" I was like, literally before Waller said it, when she did it, I literally was like, 
what the fuck? I said that, and I was like, yeah. It's like I can't believe you went there. I and the to me, what was what was cool about that is that it's like you know, Amanda Waller is to me amoral. Um, oh, yeah. Amanda 100%. Waller believes in the mission and the mission alone and how to get there regardless of what you have to do and who you have to sacrifice. Yep. Amoral Peace character. by any means. Peace by any means. So Amanda Waller already had this plan of how everything was going to be and she kept telling, to, saying to Adebayo, you know, you're, you've got the look of the bigger picture. Well, in fact, she did because it's like the Suicide Squad thing is wrong. Peacemaker was being framed and you know it. Vigilante was being framed and you know it. Well, and, technically, Vigilante wasn't being framed. They kept I Vigilante. Mean, vi- vi- well, yeah, Vigilante really is a murderer, so... Well, Peacemaker <laughs> too. I, I, I feel like, you know, obviously they had to put that little bow on. It's like, we're going to forget the 10,000 murders and we're going to focus on this. For season two. So, you know, we yeah. can have a season two. Uh, so I think it it does this amazing job of giving the characters all this growth because Harcourt goes from being like the ice fucking mm-hmm. queen of the entire team to caring about Peacemaker to looking at Adebayo like almost like as a sister saying, hey, Ads, you know, we need you here because you're like, you see... Even little things like uh, like when you finally figure out the whole dying of the beard situation and it's explained and it's this like bully moment yeah. where where um, where Peacemaker feels like, man, I've been a real ass clown, you know, and, I, and I'm sorry about this. Mm-hmm. Like that to me was such growth and such development, but it, it wasn't overdone. And nope. that's what I loved about it. And it didn't lose its comedic aspects. Yeah, at the same time, it was highlighting John's final, finally being vulnerable for once about it. Because he's been yeah. hiding it this whole time. Yeah. And he finally just had to be vulnerable about it. Uh, which in turn taught Peacemaker something and taught him something. I thought it was a great moment. Yeah. I And to me, like, the things that they say, you know, again... You want to, like, because, you know, we've talked about this in the past, like, either you make shit really relatable or you make it really fantastical. You can't, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's just hard to find the the happy medium there. Here, it's like, you could technically, with the butterflies and everything, think of things as fantastical in some ways, but then they're relatable and that it's this team, this ragtag team of individuals that have real problems, like... Look, my dog shelter closed. I'm just doing this, not because I want to, but because I need the money. Oh, yeah. I wanted to have a career, and, you know, my dad put a Glock on my hands when I was very little. Oh, I killed my brother, you know, accidentally. Oh, I, you know, like, everything I'm is... I'm insecure. I got a bad job. I have my bosses on me. Like, Yeah, I'm not getting you. paid. It's like, but it doesn't focus on that so much as it says... If you tap into the best part of you, you could do great things. Mm-hmm. Without but without saying it, because you know, there's also that everyone could be a hero. All you gotta do is jump out the Not happening. Mm-hmm. Not even 
close. You can learn judo, and you still can't be a hero. Although I, I gotta say, man, the one thing that really kind of just killed me. Fucking flaming hot Cheetos. I love that. Oh yeah. Oh god. And and every time they they feature judo master, I was like, God, do they have to do this? I need a bag. I love when he beat up the people in front of there <laughs> with the flaming hot Cheetos bag. <laughs> just dust them. When he goes to see the butterflies and they're all dead, and he's oh, like crying. With he, the Cheeto and he picks up the Cheeto bag. I'm like. You stuck to that character so well. Yes. You know? Yes, and those and those little touches. Uh, I love all the characters here, but yeah. I'm going to name some of my favorite characters uh, in order because I'm, mm. I'm just going to do that. Right, uh, right. First is my best friend, Eagly. Of course, uh-huh. of course, it's number one. Because Eagly is, of course, number one. It's the best character around. <laughs> uh, number two, followed by Vigilante. I fell in love with Vigilante. Oh, God. You can't. I thought in the beginning I would hate Vigilante. Like, by episode two, I was like, I'm going to hate this guy. And Vigilante ended up being one of my favorite characters on the show. I loved his comedic timing and effect and the way that they used him to kind of, um, to to really, for the comedic effect. Because that's really what he was. He's the funny, even though he's the straight, not the straight man, but he is the straight man in a sense. He doesn't really get jokes. He doesn't really crack jokes, but he says the most hilarious things around. But he um, is very slapsticky in a way. Yes. Kind of. Yes. But socially awkward. That's why he's slapsticky. Yeah, very. Like, yeah. John's a straight man, too, because he's, you know, John doesn't try to crack jokes or does anything. He's, you know, he's a very big, portly guy, but Vigilante just doesn't get the jokes. And that's mm-hmm. kind of my favorite mm-hmm. thing. He just yeah. doesn't get jokes. And if you watch the teaser at the end of this last episode where they always show them doing a little more improv, it was even more highlighted when he was just going with John of just like the sarcastic tone, you know, like, I'm going to be sarcastic. You're fat. It's <laughs> like, what? <laughs> just really doesn't get that, one thing. That's like offensive. a James Gunn staple, though, because when he did Drax, Drax yes. was essentially written that same way. And it's like, that's such an applicable formula to so many characters. To me, it, it was just like, man, James Gunn is, is brilliant. That's true. He is a lot like Drax. The straight man who could do comedy, because that's essentially what Vigilante is. He's yeah. Literal yeah. straight man who does the comedy Exactly. From not getting the social no. situations and cues. So you're right about that. But I, I think that's the power of James Gunn. James Gunn can really pull an ensemble cast together and make it work, make every mm-hmm. character feel uh, fresh and alive make you feel for them, make you laugh, make you have your favorites all around. And just as much as people love Groot, I love Eagly. Uh, <laughs> that's a character that really doesn't talk. <laughs> I, I do love it. Uh, so yeah, I think that's a that's the power of James Gunn, and I'm su- I am super love Peacemaker for it. Um, I love the cameo at the end, even the fact that he was able to get two of the four actors. Ooh. And obviously Ray Fisher... Yo, I stand with Ray Fisher. He was obviously never going to come back to Warner Brothers after how they treated him dirty. But uh, <laughs> they got. I I have to say I have to say about that cameo. It gives me hope for the future because now that they're you know experiencing with multiverses and stuff like that, like you you need to get the bad taste out of your mouth that was left by hours and hours and hours of stuff that didn't make any sense and to me what was awesome about that cameo it's like 
you know, these guys come in like gods all of a sudden, and you see Aquaman, and, and at this point, you're assuming that they're just gonna walk by them and shit, mm. and Peacemaker just walks off like, you know, like sort of the working class Joe, like, you're late, asshats, or something like that, <laughs> and, you know, then you see Momoa turns around, and fucking the Flash turn around, and they're dressed the exact same way, but their delivery is so much different and so much more relaxed. And yeah. they fucking tie it into that, that it's like you forgot just how bad Justice League was for that moment. Because you're not thinking about him in that fucking context. Like, you're not thinking about Aquaman jumping in the water with some... I'm sorry, but I really get fucking passionate about this. Like, with some girl singing, hey, 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 me, hey, 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 me. Well, you want to like, know why? Like the Aquaman movie that everybody loved, and and the flash that they're going to love, I, I'm guessing, by reactions, is that they were fun and not ultra-brooding like the Justice League was. Because everything in Justice League, Zack Snyder, and I'm going to say this again, uh, it, it just proves he's comic books, but even their face, the direction that he had them take, they never smiled in Justice League. Like, maybe the Flash did, but Aquaman, everybody else, they were like, serious face, I'm tough. Like, you know, always. So this one, they got to actually, like, be relaxed, crack a smile. Yeah, they were relaxed, like, and the whole, and, and it just goes back to that whole, like, the fish-fucking joke. Oh. Oh, and like, that, it just, see, you're talking about a two-minute interaction that was absolutely perfect. There was nothing pretentious about 30 it. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. See, but it great. felt it felt longer if you count it from when they walked and didn't see them, because I was like, no, like, I was like, no fucking way, and I almost froze when I saw that. I was like, I know that there's no, no Wonder Woman and no Superman. I know they're not gonna talk to them, but are they gonna talk to the other two? And then as the camera's panning, you see that it's clearly Jason Momoa. It's like the physically you can't mistake that big dude. And then it's like, oh my god, it's the flat. And, and you're like, it just. But it was a perfect interaction. It wasn't overdone. Yes. It didn't insist. Yes. And it's it it proves the point that things uh, don't have to last four hours. That they don't have to like you can make it work any which way. Because I it's funny like I read people's comments, and you know whoever wrote this, I'm sorry, but. You know, please learn how to spell because I read your comment and it was just terrible. Um, it says something about, oh, um, James Gunn hates superheroes. And I'm like, no, James Gunn just does just understands that maybe the audience want, doesn't want to see something that's just going to get you depressed after two and a half hours or three hours. And he could yeah. definitely do that. That's why so many people love Guardians 1 and Guardians 2. And that's why so many people love everything that he does. Because it it's not it's not an abundance of camp. And it's not an abundance of drama. There's like this right amount of just balance there. And I agree with you. I agree with you. And I think Peacemaker is a show of how much he loves superheroes, not hates them. Yeah. There's that's... an intimate knowledge behind there and turning Peacemaker, who thinks he's a hero, showing how much he's not a hero and bringing him to a hero status. I mean, this is the hero's journey. Peacemaker thinks he's the greatest hero. In the beginning, he's like, oh, man, I'm great. I'm just like Batman and everything. I've killed my villains. I've done more good than anybody else. He 
thinks he's a hero, right? And no one else sees him that way. And through this, he learns to kind of truly be heroic, try to do heroic things outside of his own selfishness, which is what he was doing before. And I'm like, I think this shows James Gunn loves superheroes. Yeah. Much more than Zack Snyder does. Zack Snyder Justice League proves to me he hates everything about superheroes. For me, for me, for me, this whole thing was... It was a beautifully told story and how he allowed Goff to live and just was mm-hmm. helping Goff whichever way he could except for letting Goff take over. And Goff saying, look, join us. But then also Goff coming back and saying, okay, I'm willing to let you live your life and I'll live mine. Thank you for always helping me. Let's make peace. Like these were little dots that were just so beautifully connected at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly the team, the team at that point has been disbanded, but you know that the season two is probably going to lead to the rebuild of the yeah. team, which I think is a, is a great way of looking at it. And obviously they left a lot of areas where they, in which directions they could go. Oh, 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 the, the Walker's going to get him. Oh, I, I love, I love the fact, I love that, I love that. Because it's like Waller, Waller's Teflon, you can't touch Waller, Waller you know is the greatest amoral figure ever written in any comic book that is a fact more so than nick fury because nick fury i'm sorry but nick fury is amoral also but nick fury will will always kind of make a more heartfelt call when it comes to certain areas like nick has that love Mm -hmm. waller's just like nah you may be my daughter but i'm gonna fuck you up Somehow. And I love, because you have those three facets of, like, the butterflies want peace by any means. Peacemaker wants peace by any means. And Waller also wants peace by any means, right? Mm-hmm. You have three different people who go about their own way to achieve peace. And I love the theme of kind of examining what that means from all these different perspectives. Because Waller's amoral as fuck, but she always thinks that her actions are causing peace for the goodness of the United States and everyone else, you know? She'll never destroy the world. Her ultimate goal is always to, to save, save it in, in some way. Yeah. You know, it's funny. In her own way. It's... Which is what the butterflies wanted, which is what Peacemaker wanted, and Peacemaker had to actually think about that when he even presented with that choice. He had to make it, yeah. Peacemaker might be like, well, yeah, that makes sense. And then, But I then, mean. okay, but then the physical comedy where Adebayo first comes in, with the oh, oh what the torpedo helmet oh my god was that was great but yeah. then he's like activate torpedo helmet and he and it goes to kill the cow which you know i felt for the cow honestly because i was like it just reminded me of uh labyrinth and that that little dude with the scar was like hello go this yep. way it just reminded me of that for whatever reason it's like a gigantic muppet um so i was like oh man it felt bad but at the same time the end result was so funny like with <laughs> Adebayo just covered in cow blood yeah. and yeah. like that relationship between Adebayo and, and Peacemaker to me was so I don't know man it was so like it was so cool and when he says to her look outside of Eagly you're like my BFF, don't tell this to the vigilante. Mm. Where he allows himself to open up and say that to her, mm-hmm. 
you know, and they had had this conflict in the car where you just knew that the way um, Peacemaker was lashing out was because that's how friends would lash out. You know, if you get pissed off at a friend, then you start saying things that are hurtful or offensive because it's like, man, I, I feel like you could have done better by me and you didn't. Well, he's also childish. So he Very much so, word, yeah. So he, so he acts like a child, which towards the end, after he finally makes the decision a little with the butterflies, he grow, he's growing up a bit. And that's what I mean about like this, to see that journey of Peacemaker where he's still a douchebag in this final episode, i.e. childhood actions and stuff that happens, but he's learning to kind of let his past go and make different decisions I, uh, right there. And I think that was perfect in in that interaction with Adebayo. It really was after the hospital, after seeing Hardcore Heart, mm-hmm. really thinking about other people, again, not selfish actions of himself. He's like, yeah, I did that because I thought it would hurt you guys. I'm growing up a little. Like, you actually are my friend. I can accept your apology. Like, you know, you have all that going on. It's like, good for you, Peacemaker. You're actually growing up. Yeah, and you know, one thing, one thing that I loved, I gotta say, is the fact that as they're assembling to go kill the con, the second to last episode, the veterinary office scene, the veterinarian's office scene, oh dear God. Especially when the uh, veterinary assistant, the, the nurse... Grabs a shotgun and raises a shotgun. And they just take a moment, like, the subtlety of that. Because again, <laughs> writing is as much about being able to create a subtle moment that will mm-hmm. stand out in your mind no matter how unimportant it seems in context mm-hmm. as it is about anything else. It's like, no, you'll get killed. Yeah, you'll just you'll get <laughs> murdered. I mean, she's got a shotgun this whole time. So no, you'll get murdered. And then they have this little conversation about they're likable, all things considered. It's like they stole your van, you had to saw off their eagle, you had to do this. <laughs> yeah. Except for Vigilante, who wanted to shoot them all in the face. And not put any tape, because t- tape could be, you know, a problem. For, hurt, hurtful for them in Leap <laughs> Like, So you don't care about shooting them in the face? But you care about the tape? Yeah. <laughs> I love Vigilante. I, I do, and I do. And that scene where, uh, where, um, where Peacemaker is fighting uh, White Dragon... I, I will say this for Robert Patrick. Uh, even though he lost his eyebrows, that man can still bring it. Because, you like, in that one scene where he's going off in this insanely racist, horrible rant about you shave your body like a woman. I mean, it's all sorts of crazy shit. You get heated. Like, you hate this character. It's like, oh, I want you to die. Like, that, that whole scene, from when he punches eagerly to, like, everything. And that's when you're cheering for Peacemaker to the degree that you're like, I don't care, you know, I don't care that you're a douchebag. I want you to kill this guy, even though he is your father. Like, there's no redeeming this character. Yeah, and they did a great job of that too. Like whoever was a villain was a villain. Locke, I gotta say, the after credit scenes featuring Locke, they killed me. 
Especially yes. when he's giving that speech about cleanliness is next to godliness. Yeah, and you could good. see the extra, like, just break it up, like, dying. break it up because he could not. And they left it there, you know, on purpose. It's like, oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, and I loved his when he was trying to pretend to cry for the fallen officer in the woods, and he's like, is that good? Is that believable? I don't know. You're dead. And the whole hamburger thing, the whole hamburger thing. I mean, this is, and I miss Mern. I am gonna miss Mern next season. I really do. I liked Mern, and I liked the complete character. I, I I liked Mern. I think that the reason why they did that is because Mern is one of these characters that sneaks up on you, mm. you know, and it's like where would it make the most sense? Like, who makes the most sense? And unfortunately, it was Mern because everything he was delivering was gold. Tell me one scene that you didn't like with Mern. Everything, I, I everything was, with Mern was golden. Because, and, it, and it was all about delivery because the whole damn time, he's not losing his cool. Even when he's dying, the dude's not losing his cool. Yeah. I, I loved when um, Parkour <laughs> finally had a bio as Waller's daughter. And she's like, did you know about this? Of course. You don't think I run backup searches and anybody joins my team? He's like, yeah, he's right. He's like, I love he's just in control and never phased by anything. He's but like, but then when he makes, like, like, whenever he makes comments about, you know, every time I turn around, you guys are doing some stupid shit, and it's like I'm surrounded by the apple dumpling gang. Dude, I about had a freaking stroke when he said that because I like when, you know when I was a kid and I had like the Disney channel they used to run that movie all the time so I was like oh my god that reference and the fact that they ran with it and actually made it effective yes no I, I, loved, like, it. I loved every scene with Mern I, I am going to miss him for the second season yeah. I understand like he had to die the, the impact was the best there uh, with him and it made sense because he was a butterfly, he can never stick around if they kill all the butterflies. He he was always gonna die. It's basically a suicide mission for him. Um, yeah, yeah. Not Suicide Squad, Suicide Mission. Mern was on a Suicide Squad. Yeah, exactly. Mission. <laughs> I just caught that. Because <laughs> uh, once they killed the butterflies, he was always gonna die. So yeah, that's it. Yeah, I just for me, I think you know, I I don't think they're gonna give him a new leader. I think maybe Waller's going to try to take a closer reign, perhaps. Because I, I, I'm just interested. Well, I'm dying Harper's to see. Leader. You know, Harper's a new leader, but I'm just trying to see. Because the one thing that they did with this show is that they had an enormous amount of continuity with the film. And you know what's really funny is it didn't feel forced. Mm. Because if you look at other films in the past where they, they had, like, scenes... From previous iterations, like oh, you know, we have uh, Star Trek, a scene from Star Trek One and Star Trek Two, and so on, or you know, something like that. It always feels forced. It doesn't feel like something that you one hundred percent want there because you've already seen it. It's another film. It's another storyline. You mean like playing another film in the film that you're watching? Not See, to mention a movie that we just did that literally showed its first film in the newest film. See, I'm going to take the high road on this, and I'm and I'm just going to ignore that comment altogether, albeit it's about the most accurate <laughs> comment there is. Um, you know, exactly. It feels forced, and you hate it because it's like, couldn't you fucking go? Here, it just felt like it was a part of it because it's a part yeah. of the story of Peacemaker. 
And one criticism people had of James Gunn's Suicide Squad is why the Justice League didn't show up. And I feel like Peacemaker kind of answered that. And it's not that they didn't show up. They just probably showed up late. Like, you know, the Suicide Squad handled Starro before the Justice League could show up. Just like, even though they called the, they called the Justice League in and they were going to show up, the whole thing was over already. <laughs> well, the whole thing was over. But, but look, look, it... It also, because everyone, everybody always wants to criticize and say, for this to work, Superman needs to show up. Or for this to work, Batman needs to show up. They don't fucking show up in the animated features either, or not prominently, and even if they did, it's not about them, and it doesn't end up being about them. And look, let's go back to the original Suicide Squad. They had a few scenes with Batman for the whole purpose of doing the stuff with that shitty Joker. And what did it, what did it, first of all, what did it do for Ben Affleck's Batman? Second of all, what did it do to advance the Joker? It did nothing. Like, I didn't really care no. for Batman in that. Not that I yeah, didn't it, care for Ben Affleck's Batman. I love Ben Affleck as Batman. I just, what no, was the purpose? I agree. And, and I think, like, because the first Suicide Squad, that one didn't make any sense why the Justice League didn't show up. Because that thing was like a whole day and night of that thing going crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Where in the second Suicide Squad, Starro just pops up and five minutes later, Starro's dead. So you could be like, well, logically, he doesn't show up. No one shows up because it's literally handled in like five minutes. <laughs> Where the other, the first Suicide Squad, that's like a full day. And so this one, I think he's... James Gunn kind of pulled that cameo off and then also to answer that. And it's not like, hey, it's not that people don't call them. It's just that they don't get everywhere in two seconds. Also, if we're in a universe universe of superheroes where there's also supervillains, it stands to reason, everyone, that, you know, they're not there because Aquaman's fighting Black Manta, because Flash is busy with Reverse Flash with Gorilla Grodd. Because Batman is in Gotham, you know, trying to, like, de- defuse a bomb put together by the Joker and, like, you know, not like Lex Luthor, um, the Joker and Mr. Freeze or something like that and the Penguin. Like, it's, it's not like they don't have their own sectors. Like, this is all a very territorial situation, so it's like, in Evergreen, and for the purposes of Evergreen, this is the problem. They have cows and butterflies. And this, they got to take care of that. And they do show up, though. They just show up late once the problem's been taken care of. You know? But again, it's not... The problem really goes goes to this. You and I can look at it. You know, we've read comic books. We've seen the movies. we, We like superheroes. We understand how to apply this thing common sense and logic. People, it's a show. It's a movie. But common sense can be used. <laughs> it like common sense doesn't always hurt the cause. And if you want the superhero to progress, this is one way to do it. Um, you know, so and it's not about the Flash, and it's not about Superman. And what if they were in the in the Watchtower? You don't think you know. You don't think it takes time to go from space to evergreen? Yeah. And, you know, it's a rocket. Rockets take time to get back into, you know, and then, like, the whole thing. Come on. 
No, yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm there with you. But to get a backtrack on Peacemaker, what are some of your favorite characters? I know I told you my number two, my first two, Eagly and Vigilante. I love all the characters, but they just hold a special place. This, in my heart. this is hard. What about for you, me? Rick? What this are your is, favorite characters? Is, oh my god, this is so fucking hard for me. Uh, um, and this is in no specific order, mind you. I love Economos. Because he grows into this sort of badass killing machine that's growing in terms of confidence, and I think it's really cool to see that. Mm-hmm. And, um... I gotta say... I gotta say number two is a toss-up between Vigilante and Eagly. Because, like, seriously, the, the, the way Eagly moves, just the movement, just the movement... Yeah. Damn. And I loved I loved how they use Eagly. Like Eagly was definitely a part of the team, but he wasn't overused. No. It wasn't like no. it wasn't abused. They didn't like make butt of jokes or try to just get your heart with Eagly being there. They used Eagly as like a flush out character with his own motivations and stuff to do. When he grabbed the helmet in the final scene, uh even before he's like, I don't like it, he's like, Okay, I know you don't like the mean blonde lady. Right. He doesn't talk. You really got the sense he doesn't like hardcore. <laughs> and so you feel like even him dropping the helmet, it's kind of like an F you to hardcore. <laughs> well, my best, the best part with Eagly to me, and it's not that it's even the best part, it's just how fucking funny, was when they're getting chased by the Aryan nation and shit like that. And like Economos is getting on the getting into the Ford like the little car, mm-hmm. and he starts pecking him in the ass. <laughs> and 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 you see Peacemaker sort of disciplines him. Bad Eagle, no, no, Eagly, Bad Eagle. <laughs> and like he gets out because he sees something's coming, and you can tell he's sensing it because, and Economos is trying to get him back in the car. Mm. And, you know, um, Peacemaker's like, crinkle your, crinkle the bag of chips, he'll think you'll have chips. He's like, who feeds, and this is like a common thing, he's like, who feeds fucking eagle chips? <laughs> but you get the sense Eagly would eat chips, though. You get, you get the, the sense, the sense like you chips. get the sense that Eagly is all about the chips, man. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's all about the chips, um... You know, and 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 I love that, and I, I love how. Again, in that scene, fucking Economos just kills I don't know how many Aryan members all at the same fucking time, and it's like a perfect spray of gunfire, and I'm like, oh my god, Economos. Yeah. You know. But you know who just won't quit or die? Vigilante. He's been shot, blown up, <laughs> his foot's been hacked. <laughs> Vigilante just won't die. No matter what happens to him, <laughs> and he seems like such a normal dude. Like he's like, he's like a guy that's right. He's 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 at the he's at the counter at the blockbuster. You know, he's a busboy at a Mexican restaurant. That is what he does. <laughs> I, I the glasses and everything, and it's like he's so like you said, so socially awkward. And yet, when it comes to being vigilante, like he proves right away from the very beginning why he's an integral part of the team. You mm-hmm. know, um, and it's, I don't know, this was a well-made show. 
It was. You know. It really was a well-made show. I I honestly really like season one. I'm looking forward to season two, so I guess we should talk about that a little. What? Where do you think the show is going? What would you like to see in season two? What do you think will happen? That should probably be a good area to talk um, about. Because we agree. We love season one. Yeah. We love it. Okay, so I think season two is going to have the rebuilding of the team. Obviously, at this point, you have hardcore, hardcore in the hospital. You have uh, at a bio exposing Argus. So there's there's going to be a rebuilding of the team. Um, I think that Waller is going to have something to do with sort of bringing the team back in a different capacity while still kind of trying to get even with them. Mm-hmm. You know, because Waller is just Waller. You know? Yeah. And so I think that's what's going to happen. And I think you're going to see a greater inner conflict and turmoil with uh, with Peacemaker trying to figure out how to completely get rid of the specter of his father. I think they're going to use um, Robert Patrick's character as as the voice of conflict, which I think is a great way to explore that relationship while eliminating the you know in-person antagonistic nature of the white dragon like they got rid of the white dragon the Aryan nations all that mm-hmm. now it's like how you know how does you know what does peacemaker need to do to come to terms with that so it'll always it'll have i hopefully it'll have that general feel of okay we're still working on this there's growing pains but i think as long as it keeps that comedic tone i think it's going to be great like doom patrol type situation as long as they don't do what they did with fucking titans and if james gunn is at the helm i seriously doubt that'll happen where titan stars out as a team they split up for like the majority of the show and then they come back at the end and it's like hey where are the titans we've killed people we've maimed people bruce wayne is absolutely worthless but we're titans i'm gonna say i'm including the cw shows in this 100 percent. titans is dc's worst show and I'm oh yeah, no, dude, it's clearly the worst. Um, <laughs> Arrow, Flash, all of it's better than Titans. All of it's anything better than is better than Titans. Um, you know what's better than Titans? The superpower uh, hour, half hour um, cartoons. Those were real yeah. good. Yeah, there's so many. Sh- Titan is definitely the worst show. So yeah, no. a- anything compared to Titans is like a hundred percent better. Um, if you're a Titans fan out there, let us know. Let us know what you like about it. Uh, you could go to Instagram, Trescaling Productions, or mm-hmm. hit us up on Twitter at Cinemagic Podcast One. Cinemagic Podcast One without the T. I know it's weird. Twitter won't let me do anything. The else. Twitter. But <laughs> there. let you know if you like Titans because I truly don't know if anybody. I don't know. It. I don't know. I honestly, I've heard a lot of reviews about Titan and, and a lot of video, seen a lot of video reviews, read a lot of stuff about it. And the and the thing with Titans is that it focuses so much on just the darkness. It's like everything about that show is depressing. It, it is. It's it's very much stuck in Zack Snyder's universe of kind of superheroes, where Peacemaker I I really love because it's in James Gunn style of superheroes, mm. where. You, like Guardians of the Galaxy, like Suicide Squad, you can have depressing stuff in them, 
but they're not depressing. Like they're still they're still fun and entertaining and bombastic and big and you actually like the characters, which I know is really weird in Zack Snyder's universe to like the actual characters. But you can like them <laughs> in to Peacemaker. Think, but to and think... the same way in Doom Patrol, because Doom Patrol is a very sad, depressing show. I want to call Doom Patrol like lighthearted and fun. It's sad and depressing. No, yeah, it. I, 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 I totally agree with you. But it's there's a difference. and fun at times. Like but but there's there's fun. like a difference with in Titans, and it's like, at some point, every Titan either has or will take a life or have their life taken, and yeah. you know, it's always about finding the uh, narrative devices that are going to bring the the person back, such as. Lazarus Pit. Oh, yeah, we got one right here in the back of the house. This, we call it a Lazarus Jacuzzi. A lot of things have happened. You don't want to know. Um, I'm like, dude, come on. Fucking yeah. stop yeah. it with that shit. No, I agree. So for me, for season two, um, I, I don't know how Judo Master is going to come back, but I feel like Judo Master is going to come back. He has uh, to. I, I, I just feel that Judo Master is such a great character, and what, and the fact that he's not dead at the end proves that like he may come back so i'm, I'm, I'm expecting to see judo master again i don't know how but i expect to see judo master again. do you think he'll be do you think he'll be on the on the good side because i think that he's gotten his ass kicked by everybody at this point in some way shape or form so he'll probably like the respect factor will probably play in somehow well judo master seemingly wanted to just help and save the world which is uh really there so i i do think he'll be on the side of good because he's not essentially evil he just Mm-mm. believed in something different. Like how the butterflies believed they were in the right because they were saving the world, you know, right? Obtaining peace by any means necessary. And Judo Master just agreed with them on that. So yeah. I, I definitely think he's going to come in here. Oh, which brings me, and uh, that's really what I want to see. I'm with you with Waller. But it brings me to this question. I have to say this question before we get out of here. Because Amy asked me the same question. Uh, one of our producing partners, if you don't know, here, my partner here um, as well. My partner in real life and in Triscaling Productions, right? Uh, she asked me these questions. She's like, would you, because Ed Bio asked Peacemaker, you know, why didn't he side the butterflies? So she asked me if I side with the butterflies. So I have to ask you, Rick. Would have you sided with the butterflies? Knowing their plans and knowing what they said. Because they're, let's be honest, the butterflies are 100% right. Humanity destroying itself in the name of capitalism and gains. We don't really care. Minor, we've seen it with the pandemic and everything else. Uh, recycling, climate change, everything. Minor inconveniences we won't do. We're killing our ability to live on the planet. That's just the truth out there, everyone. And no one seems to care. Are, right? are, are you saying you don't want to fly out of the Earth on a penis-shaped uh, spaceship? I mean, I prefer a clitoris-shaped spaceship, but that's just personally me. Um, they're they're building that one too um but you know so they're not honestly like their goal is not bad their goal is to literally save the planet and humanity i mean i would have probably agreed with them if and only if they like i didn't feel like i was being taken over and someone was gonna penetrate my brain i think if we can have that discussion which i don't think it was made clear because i think it was insinuated that yeah you could because we're not trying to infiltrate peacemaker we're just trying to save the cow and at this point save the butterflies and save the world 
what little we have left, we got to save it. So I didn't think, you know, that that you know the it, that it was a bad thing. And I mean, in the kind of world that we're living today, honestly, I I can't say that I at all disagree with it. You know, you remember we talked about how the butterflies weren't necessarily bad. Well. I don't know, you know, and if you're free to make the decision to try and help, then you're probably going to be free to make any other decision on your own, as long as it's for the better of, of uh, mankind. So, you know, is it is it really overlords that you're having, or is it saviors? Kind of so, something to think about. So which one were you chosen? If you were a peacemaker, which one were you chosen? <sighs> I'm putting you on that spot. He was put on the spot. So you, you, you got to... Well, what did you choose? Like, hell no, man. They're colonizers. And listen, I'm black. I don't trust no goddamn colonizers, all right? <laughs> listen, last time people came over and enslaved people for, quote-unquote, their own good, to be civilization and everything else, that did not turn out well, and I don't trust no damn colonizers. What if you keep... Wait a, second, wait a second. What if you keep some raid next... Because they're butterflies. And motherfuckers can't, like, stand raid. But to me... Even if it's our own destruction, humanity gets to make its own. You're choice. talking about the, 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 you, you the mistakes and the choice. Um, yeah. I, you yeah. come here and make our choices for us by taking over our bodies and literally enslaving us as a secret cabal overlord. You didn't come. You didn't come straight up. You didn't come and talk to us. You came and took over bodies and made decisions. Right, let, for let me us ask you a question. Would you have talked? Wait, wait a second. Would you have talked to a butterfly right after you saw it infiltrating somebody? Or, yeah. or would you have put the butterfly in your jar if you would have seen it in its natural form? What would you have done? I'm just curious. Well, well, one, it, it's I'd be like I've never seen an in, uh, insect like that, and if it took over someone, I would kill it on sight because they take <laughs> over people. I mean, that's what it is. But they never even found another way. It didn't seem that they were interested in any other way to communicate. We're literally in that world on a planet full of aliens. Superman's an alien. We got aliens on there. It's mm -hmm. not that insane to have aliens in that world but instead of being up front they were sneaky that's a secret invasion they were literally trying to colonize us move all of your own people over enslave and take over us without talking to us and i know enough astronomy to know there are plenty of earth-like planets so if you're able to come here you can go to another one so why come to the one with humans on it all right why come and sneak your way into it uh-uh. Don't trust no you know, colonizers. You know why? You know why? Don't trust no colonizers. You know what? You know why? The music. I love the music. <laughs> and, and I think it's impactful that Mern also was a black man, the one fighting against it and saying this shit is not right. Because I also agree. Colonizing mm. is never right. Well, he was. He was. He was. He was actually. Right. But he was also fighting against the fact that they were taken over the people taken it almost people. yeah it almost seemed like they had they were trying to present to the and like Mern's is more believable but when they present it to peacemaker it almost seems earnest like you gotta admit that her speech to peacemaker was like very very earnest seemingly. it was earnest I, i'm believing the butterflies 100 percent. it was earnest but their actions are as a colonizer. But they but isn't it but isn't it odd? But isn't it odd that we were talking about how they could be good? And it's like yeah, but yeah, but 
Colonizers always think they're in the right. We know that from humanity's sake. Colonizers always think they're doing good. It don't mean they're doing good. So <laughs> any colonizer on sea, uh, no for colonizers. They always think they're doing good. European colonizers thought they were doing good too. They weren't. Oh, wait a uh, second, wait a second. Look, having family from Spain, I don't know that it was ever possible that any Spaniard actually thought that, but I have my own reasons for saying that. I'm not going to get into it. I got my own conflicts with that shit, but no. Like, I, when, you're, when you're an asshole, you're a straight-up asshole. That's a fact. And when you're an entitled asshole, you're also straight-up an entitled asshole. Like... No, I agree. I don't know. I don't know that I can. 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 You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All I'm saying is they always think they're in the right. They thought they're right. They're like, I yeah, want to thinking that you're in the right. Yeah, right. thinking that you're in the right and actually being in the right two totally different things. Different I, I totally, yeah. I totally get your point. I see. I see. I see that aspect of it as well. Peace by any means is what they think, but you know the butterflies think it. Peacemaker thinks it. Waller thinks it, but. You know, individual freedom, letting people choose their own choices, is what ultimately I think the show is saying uh, as well. You know what and this we is? We need to make our you know, own choices. You know what this is? You know what this is? America. Fuck <laughs> yeah. America. Uh, America. Thought this was America. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. With that said, yeah, uh, are there any recommendations that you um, are making for this week? Because I got one. Oh, I got one. So, I know there's another movie coming out this weekend, but I'm still a fan of always seeing mystery movies and old-timey mystery movies and Agatha Christie movies, so I'm still going to say Death by the Nile. Go ahead and go and see that. Uh, if you're going I'm to Inspector Edward Perot, and I was on a train, and I'm on a boat. And next week, I'll be in a murder <laughs> in a jet ski. No. Hey, man. Murders happen on transportation systems. I can't wait for the... When, when he solves a murder in a car or a bus. A bus. A bus is better. When he solves the next one on a bus. <laughs> so trade ship It bus. was the homeless person with a gun. <laughs> no, see, that's too easy. That's what everybody thinks it is. And it actually was the twin of the bus driver who hangs out underneath the bus that no one ever saw that came in and switched places when we were getting on You know who it was? The spirit of Dennis Hopper. Woo! Blew your mind on that. What about your recommendation? My recommendation is A&E's The Secrets of Playboy. Holy dear God, I have never seen more descriptive series about the acts of turpitude, moral and otherwise, and I'm just going to leave it at that because otherwise we'd get canceled like 12, like I would get canceled right back to birth. That, like, I was like, dear God, just, you know, my back was crawling. So check that out because if you thought that Life in the Playboy Mansion was, you know, uh, pinball and chlamydia all the time. No, sir, it wasn't. It was more than pinball and chlamydia. It was also pinball and herpes, cocaine, and a lot of weird old man kink. Bad weird also old chlamydia. man kink. Don't forget. And chlamydia. Tons of chlamydia. <laughs> I'm talking about 
you might get chlamydia from watching this. <laughs> oh, hey, oh my God. With that, don't catch chlamydia. We'll see you next week. <laughs> nice.